All right, let's stand up. I'm going to read a few verses out of Revelation chapter 4. It says, After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me said, Come up here, and I'll show you what must take place after these things. Immediately I was in the Spirit. And behold, a throne was standing in heaven, and one sitting on the throne. And he who was sitting was like a jasper stone and a sardius in appearance, and there was a rainbow around the throne, like an emerald in appearance. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and upon the thrones I saw twenty-four elders sitting, clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their heads." Out from the throne came flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was something like a sea of glass, like crystal. And in the center and around the throne, four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first creature was like a lion, the second like a calf, the third had a face of a man, and the fourth was like a flying eagle." And the four living creatures, each of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within, and day and night. They do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is coming. The word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Jesus, we thank you that you are here. Would you continue to come? The one who is, is coming. The train of your robe filled and was filling the temple. Lord, we just open up the capacity of our hearts and say to the very utmost God, we want you in all that you desire to be in this evening, in this place. And the priesthood of God says, amen, amen, amen. Um, I haven't been able to shake this, so I'm just going to, I'm just going to say it because I'd rather be wrong than, uh, than miss an opportunity. But is there anybody that you've, I feel like it's recently, you had like, a, I don't know, it wouldn't have been an x-ray, but something, and you have, you had a doctor appointment, and there was a liver issue, and there was like spots on your liver, and it may, it may have been Tuesday, or maybe you have a doctor appointment coming Tuesday, but it's been concerning you. Is that anybody? Somebody have? I can't see very well, so is there any hands? If not, I will fail like a son who is beloved by God. <laughs> there is a hand up. Okay, can, maybe if you see that hand, can you guys go lay hands right on the back wall? That's why it's better to be obedient. Look like a fool. Yeah, so Lord, we just speak healing to that liver, and we command spots to go away right now by the blood of Jesus, and that even the anxiety about what those spots would be would go right now, Lord, as the witness of the Spirit of God's presence would come upon Brother Riley, and that you would touch his liver right now. Holy Spirit, come. We command the kingdom of God to manifest on earth as it is in heaven in this man of God's body. And the saints together say, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus is here. 
All right. You have notes. I'm doing this uh, more for you than for me. If you do not have notes, raise your hand. They're going to pass it. Just keep them raised until um, they're passed to you. I'm doing this to try to steward the word of the Lord and make it more accessible for you. Um, We will have digital copies as well for those of you that are online. I think there's like a QR code you can scan if it's on your TV or you can click the link on YouTube or whatever media channel you use. I'm going to take for granted that I can go a little long tonight. (laughs) So I'm assuming that. I'm not going to, I actually not a very long teaching, but I feel that the Lord has a, a, a moment for us tonight. And um, let's just jump in and hopefully we'll get there. Uh, to recap last week, apostolic ministry lays a foundation of heavenly worship. So that the apostolic prophetic alliance builds a foundation in the church, in any region they go to, which is heaven. And the center of heaven is the throne of God. And we won't build cities that look like the heavenly Jerusalem until we learn to come around the throne of God and worship. Uh, Tonight was a learning night. Um, Learning isn't about looking polished, like practice is where mistakes are made. We're practicing the presence of God. We are practicing to become worshipers who worship the Lord in spirit and truth. Amen. Um, But when a royal priesthood of God uh, worships God in the spirit, the authority of God, the throne of God is established on the earth. We looked at Acts 16 last week that as Paul and and Silas are worshiping, God's manifest presence comes and shakes the prison in Philippi and the prison doors open as a sign that the king had come to that region, to Philippi, to Macedonia. Uh, In Acts 19, Paul for uh, three years, ministers in the school of Tyrannus. He's raising up a priesthood, and the authority of God is established in Ephesus so that everyone living in Asia Minor had heard the word of the Lord, and extraordinary signs and miracles were being performed by Paul. So to say that the throne of God being established in the region, that's not just a theological truth. That is an observable reality. Say that, observable Reality. We know the throne of God has been established in our individual life and even more so in a corporate region by the evidence of God's manifest presence doing things that could only happen in heaven. We call them signs and wonders. Only God, only God, only God could do this. These are just expressions of heaven, right? We are the church through whom the manifold wisdom of God is to be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. But what happens and starts in the spirit manifest into physicality and God starts breaking in and doing things that we can't explain. I am hungry to see impossibilities bow their name to Jesus in this region, in this city. I am hungry to see people that are too far out to be saved get radically transformed. I am hungry to see addictions break. I am hungry to see marriages that were in ruts for decades have radical transformations. I am hungry to see God break in with signs and wonders that we can all, like the book of Acts, be in awe at what the Lord is doing. That fear could literally fill us because we are so amazed by the awesome God 
manifesting and breaking in through the worship and praise of a royal priesthood. Amen. This is what God, this is, this is, this is, this is the church. Oh man, this is the church. This is our call. This is the journey that we're going on. So I want to, we're, we're going to, I'm going to begin, I'm going to introduce to approach the throne of grace, learning like Hebrews 4 says to come with boldness to the throne of grace, equipped as a priesthood that knows how to minister to the Lord and actually become familiar with the throne of God in the spirit. Yeah, so good. So Revelation 4.1, I read it. It says, I looked and behold, a door was standing in. So there is a door standing open in heaven. And then a voice saying, come up here. Come up here. And then John says, immediately I was in the and he enters through the door and he beholds a throne. Worship begins in the, in the spirit. Worship is in the spirit. It's not in the body. It's not in the soul. It's not in the understanding. It's not in the mind. It's not in the emotions. It's not even in the will. Worship begins in the spirit. There is a door standing open in heaven. And Sunday gatherings, before there are anything else, they are a gathering in the Spirit. We are coming together to enter in the Spirit, that the Spirit can take us up and in to the throne of heaven. So that the throne isn't just an abstract reality, but it is a place that we know to frequent. I'm not trying to be mystical tonight. I'm trying to be biblical. The Bible is mystical, right? But the Bible is also biblical. My hope is, that was really profound. Write that down. Tag it, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. That will make me the viral preacher across America. The Bible is biblical. We will not learn to walk in the spirit through life if we haven't learned how to worship in the spirit. So I want to lay a foundation, at least a beginning of how we can learn to enter in the spirit and become worshipers who worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. I'm going to do my best to demystify the mystical because obviously when we start talking about any prophetic language throughout scripture, there is a mystical component. There's always mystery to God. And part of spiritual maturity is actually humbling ourselves and embracing mystery, that there's a whole realm that we will never understand, but that we'll walk into by faith. So we're not going to try to zap this, the mystery away and say, yeah, this is a practical nine steps of how to worship the Lord in the spirit. It doesn't work like that, but we are going to try to demystify and to demystify the mystical makes an accessibility so that we can see that there is a door standing open that we can enter into anytime we desire, actually anywhere that we desire. Yeah. Okay. So let's do it. Let's jump in. Uh, the first thing I want to talk about is a, is, is a principle, a language I've, I've heard described as sowing heavenward. This is, this is going to help us, right? So this is from Hosea. It says, it shall come to pass in that day. I'll hear, saith the Lord. I'll hear the heavens and they shall hear the earth and the earth shall hear the corn, the wine, the oil, and they shall hear Jezreel. And I will sow her unto me in the earth 
And I'll have mercy upon her that had not obtained mercy. And I will say to them which were not my people, you are my people. And they shall say, thou art my God. This is a quote from Ruth Heflin, who has a wonderful books, books on worship. And she, she's giving a commentary on this. She says, this word Jezreel means God sows. The Lord who sits in the heavens hears that which we sow in the heavens. He said, I will hear the heavens and the heaven will hear the earth. In response, because we've sowed heavenward, God sows in the earth. He's not only the harvester, he's also the sower. We've never had a problem recognizing God as the harvester. He is the chief harvester. We know that. What we don't know is that he's also the chief sower. We thought we'd done all the sowing. No, he is the chief sower. When I stand and begin to praise him, I'm sowing heavenward. In return, the earth is receiving the corn, the wine, and the oil. Symbols of revival. One of the big hang-ups that I have noticed within myself and within the church is that whenever we start giving more orientation to worship, the, the, and it's a valid question starts coming up of like, well, what about evangelism? What about the people? What about the Great Commission? What about, like, and there's the practicalities of this. If, if all we're doing is worshiping all the time, how's that going to bear any fruit? Have you ever thought that? Who's honest in here? You just worship. The Lord's here. Remember, who's thought that before? <laughs> Who said that before? Who said that this week? Who said that tonight? Woo! I'm just joking. You don't have to raise your hand for that. Right? The, the, God has an ecosystem. He has a wisdom that's a higher wisdom than us. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And so I think sometimes we get in this dichotomized thinking of like, okay, well, all we're doing here is we're just singing songs and this is good and it's ministering to the Lord, but then like we need to go do, you know, X, Y, and Z. And we do need to do X, Y, and Z, but there's an ecosystem and there's an order. The great commandment is unto the great commission, but it has to be worked out by the Lord. And this principle of sowing heavenward is that if we just try to go out and reap we can't reap unless the earth's received the oil and the corn and the wine. Like God has to go before. He has to prepare the way. And what prepares the way for God moving in the city is actually us sowing heavenward and the praise and the worship which allows him to come and start to manifest. Right? God is a missional God. He's, he's not stuck in a church building. But there's something about when we start sowing heavenward that the heavens respond to the earth and suddenly we find ourselves being pulled into places of fruitfulness that we could have never made happen. She shares testimonies. She had a church in Israel on Mount Zion and she was sharing testimonies of how they would be in worship. They would worship four nights a week as a church and they would be in worship and two, three hours into worship, the Lord would start to speak and say, I'm moving in the Gaza Strip tonight. And they would get reports of people getting baptized in the spirit in their homes and getting saved. And then they, the, and like this was part of their, how their ministry grew. They would, they would sow heavenward and then God started moving in ways across Israel. And it reminded me, it reminded me of actually one of my own stories on Mount Zion, where I was, uh, my brother and I, we were, we, we lived in Jerusalem for like five weeks, and uh, we, we were staying in this flat that was like a parsonage of a church, and this one night, it was as if the Holy Spirit grabbed me by the hand and woke me up out of bed and pulled me, and I was walking, and I was in my pajamas, 
And I walked up the door, and, and outside the door of the stairwell was a big flat roof. And suddenly the Spirit of God came upon me, and I just began to dance before the Lord. I had never danced like this in my life. It was one of the most liberating, free moments of my entire life. Once I came back to earth, I was like, woo, what was that? But I, I, I can honestly say I danced before the Lord with all my might. And then it was as if the spirit lifted and I went back to bed, woke up in the morning and said, I had no idea what that was about. When I woke up in the morning, I had an email and it was from somebody at my church back here, back home in the valley. And he was saying, I just want you to know it was, it was this was on Easter. It was the night of Easter Sunday. And he said, I just want you to know at this time, the Holy Spirit broke out in the church and people were spontaneously baptized for multiple hours so much that the floors were soaked with water and they had to redo the hardwood floor. And I literally looked at the time and it was the exact time I danced before the Lord for like 30 or 40 minutes up there. It was the exact same time. And the Lord said, I was using you as intercession. I was sowing heavenward and the heavens responded. I had no idea what was happening. In fact, <laughs> I felt quite uncomfortable about it in my own head. But when we worship the Lord, he inhabits our, he can move. We underestimate the missional impact of sowing heavenward. So I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to sow seeds tonight. Okay, the next thing I want to talk about is we're just looking at foundation. We're really, we're not going to get into praise and worship and what the glory is. We're going to, we're, we're going to, I'm going to spend some time on this. We're not even going to get into that tonight. I'm just trying to lay a foundation. The next thing I put is that point you can see identity informs behavior. So throne worship is identity-based, say identity-based, not behavior-focused. There are behaviors that come from an identity, but we can't focus on behaviors. If we just go to try to do form without identity, that becomes performance, and there's really nothing valuable about performance. The Lord kind of spits it out of his mouth. It's like, really? Like, really? As if I don't know you? As if I don't know everything about you. Like we act like sometimes we need to put our best foot forward with God. He's like, I know what the bad foot is. Just give me the real thing. God is always present with our authentic self. And the only part of ourself that, that he will never be intimate with is the imposter self, which is the performer self that's trying to be what we think he wants us to be. He will not be present with that because he only loves what he created. We create this imposter flesh nature when we start listening to lies and we start operating out of an identity that is based in untruth, unreality. God loves us. He loves the real thing. So worship has to start with the revelation of identity. Identity comes from a revelation of God. So there's this question sometimes of the cart and the horse. I don't want to go deep into that, like which comes first. It's a process of faith and God works in different ways in different people. But I, I do want to make clear tonight that worship flows from a royal identity. When we're talking about praise and worship, we are talking about a royal exchange. I'm going to get into the scriptures that show this quite emphatically. Um, but before I do, just a note on Jesus's own journey of worship. At Matthew 4, he's baptized. A voice comes from heaven and says, what? This is my beloved son. I'm pleased with him. He is led from the spirit, 
led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and he begins to be tempted. And the target of the temptation and the attack is what? The very identity that he was just given. My beloved son, and now the questions start coming, if you're the son of God, do... So there's an attack on identity, and the attack culminates in Matthew 4 with a request for Jesus' worship. Interesting. There's a strong link between our identity and our worship. The enemy is attacking identity because what he really wants is worship. And he knows that if he can get us out of identity, he'll get our worship. If, we, if he can get us performing, he can start influencing our worship and our work and our creativity. So there's a war for our worship. And remember, the enemy, Satan, was a worship leader. He knows the power of worship, probably more so than most of the believers in the church. So he is very much working, and he, he is request. It is an open, audacious request for Jesus. Worship me. So there is a strong connection is what I'm trying to make. That could be another message. I'm not going to go into it, but it could be a message. All right, so Revelation 5, the elders around the throne. Two things we know about the elders. One, they have crowns. Two, they're sitting on, whoa, 25 thrones in heaven. You ever, you ever stopped and said, wow, that's weird. You ever been to a throne room with 25 thrones? There's usually one. Jesus is not a king like we think of kings. He's not threatened. He's not insecure. So Jesus' throne, the throne, the one who sits on the throne and the lamb who stands next to the throne, there's 24 other thrones and there are elders sitting on the throne. What are elders? They are representatives of the church. For, for instance, like the elders of River, River House, we meet once a month and we seek the Lord and we seek his face and we, we are standing as representatives of River House as we're in decision making, yes? So when we're reading that the elders are sitting on the throne, we're reading about where we are in the worship scene. Anybody's jaw dropped right now? You know, we sing that song, you know, we, all the angels cry out, all the elders bow down, you are holy, holy. I don't think we realize that what we're singing in that moment is that the elders aren't just like standing and then bowing. They're seated on thrones. They're getting off those thrones and bowing and then throwing crowns. It's a royal affair. It's not a, it's not a servant relationship. It's worship is emerging from a royal identity. And interesting enough, in Revelation 4, 5, there's three times that the elders fall down from the thrones. And so it's, to me, I'm mar it's marvelous that, that worship, which is the, the orientation away from self, it is the offering and the posturing to give worth to the one who sits upon the throne. It's the emptying of our beings to put value upon this one who's beyond value. Somehow we receive a whole lot more than we could ever give. So you can see it's, it's, it comes from sons and daughters. It comes from a priesthood. There's probably a journey we could go in that. But there's this beautiful rhythm we see in Revelation of 
the falling down and the emptying and offering of self. But then somehow we get back on the throne because a few chapters later, or a few verses later, we're doing it again. So there's this pouring out in worship and a reception of identity and a pouring out of worship and a reception of identity. It's this beautiful rhythm. You can't outgive God. It doesn't mean it's about you. It's completely about him. But when you make it completely about him, who does he make it about? The beloved ones that he's obsessed with. Yeah? Worship's a royal affair. We enter through the door standing open in heaven by the blood of Jesus. This is important. It's not our performance. It's not how much we fasted. It's not how much we've prayed. It's not how spiritual we are. It's not our, it's not our sin streak that we're on of avoiding this or avoiding that. It's not morality. We enter in the door. The door was opened by the blood of Jesus, who is the high priest who passed through the heavens once and for all and took his stand, seated at the right hand of God. His blood speaks a better word than the blood of goats and bulls. It declares us righteous, holy, redeemed, worthy. You can come through the door open in heaven. It was opened by the blood, and then that blood was sprinkled over all who have faith in the name of Jesus and says, you're holy, come home. Come home to the throne. Come home. You have a throne prepared for you. Wow. Not only that, the blood makes you royal because it infuses a royal bloodline into your identity. You're no longer just a sinner that was saved. You're actually one who was adopted and grafted into the royalty, the bloodline that flows from the king of kings. That's why you sit on a throne because God says you're mine. There's no grandkids on planet earth, just sons and daughters. He takes ownership of all of us, says I'll adopt you all. Your royalty. Your royalty. This is why it takes familiarity, though. Heidi Baker would share that when she would adopt kids, she'd bring them into the kitchen, and she could tell how, many, how, the, how long the kids had been in her home and in her family by how uh, free they were to go to the fridge and grab a Coca-Cola. She said, the kids that have been with me for years, they finally learned. Like, they're, they're sons, they're daughters. They'd go get a Coke. They wouldn't even ask. But it was the ones that were new that was like, do I need to put my best foot forward? Can I really? We do all these, you know, this. So it takes time. There's a culturizing. So the more you worship, the more you are changed. Because you worship, you behold the Lord. And you're changed from glory to glory. Yeah. Okay. So it's about the blood. It's all about the blood. The blood made you a royal priest. Revelation 5. For you were slain and purchased for God with your blood, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You've made them to be a kingdom and priest to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. This is why the songs of the throne are about the blood of Jesus, because we're like, you got us here. <laughs> you got us here. I don't even know why I'm on a throne. Worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood. There's just, how could you not? You're seated on a throne with a crown on your head. Okay. This is really what I, I want to talk about tonight. Probably more than these things. 
at the beginning is, is I want to talk about an ecosystem of worship. Lord, we thank you that you're here. So, worship around the throne, it's in the spirit. We enter in, it's about, there's an identity shift that we're learning. There's a process of growing up. It's by the blood of Jesus. So, these are theological truths, but they've, they've got to get activated in us. And to get activated, we have to start understanding what's happening in here on a Sunday night. This is only going to, I'm only going to teach for maybe five, ten more minutes. So if the kids are here, it's good. Jesus loves them. He likes unpolished. I'm telling you. Kids are not polished. Praise God. They're teaching us. Lest you repent and become like them, you can't get into the kingdom. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. So the worship around the throne is a cultivated environment that involves collaboration of humans and angels. We must learn to recognize and honor the different aspects of the ecosystem if the environment is to thrive. Right? So there's angels here tonight. I didn't see them. I'm not one who sees them. I'm not trying to be mystical. I'm trying to be biblical. Angels and humans work together in this worship scene. But what I want to talk about is what I believe are the five gifts that God has put in our community that need to be honored and embraced if we're to actually become the worshipers that God's looking for. We have to honor his leaders, okay? So I'm going to go through the ecosystem and we're going to look at five different leaders that God uses to uh, actually usher us into the spirit and make what is in the spirit accessible so that we can start to enter into it, okay? The first is instrumentalist. We see that each one is holding a harp, Right? This is symbolic language, so it doesn't mean that there's just harps, but it is saying that there's stringed instruments. There weren't, there weren't electric guitars back then, just so you know. It would have been impossible for them to be there. Right? So this is symbolic here. So there's instrumentalists. Say instrumentalists. So instruments and the sounds they make play a vital role in the ecosystem of throne worship. Instrumentalists help us access the spirituality of the throne through sound. Say sound. God communicates through sound. God's anointing will actually rest on sound. There is a sound in heaven. Instrumentalists that are in the spirit of God, will, will, the spirit will come upon them and their instruments will actually create the same sounds that are in heaven. They'll start to create with God upon them. Just like a preacher can start to put together words and scriptures and revelation to bring something that can draw you into something that's an other realm. Instrumentalists are anointed by God to actually bring the other realm into this realm through sound. It's amazing. It says that God's spirit would rest on David in such a way that as David would pluck the strings of that harp, Saul, who was in torment, would suddenly come into his right mind because the atmosphere of heaven would enter into a room by one man playing a harp. Come on, thank God for the instrumentation. The word zamar is a word for praise. It's often, it's, it's translated just praise or worship all throughout Psalms, but it literally means it's a praise that comes through the instruments. There are times where God just wants a praise that comes through instruments. We have wonderful instrumentalists in this body. Amen. We're, we're going we're gonna to do something cool here in a minute. The next group I want to talk about is intercessors. They're all cringing right now because if you're an intercessor, you don't like to be talked about. 
But we see that the saints, the elders, are holding golden bowls of incense that are the intercessions, the prayers of the saints. This is amazing. Yes, the throne comes and changes us, but we actually in, impact the environment of the throne. Our prayers rise like incense. Right, so many of you may not know this, but there are intercessors in this community who pray countless hours for every time we gather, for, for you, for house churches, for prayers. They just pray. They endure severe spiritual oppression at times. They go through strong bouts of spiritual warfare. They are they just thankless hours that only the Lord will ever record. And they do it all so that they could see an atmosphere of heaven created where you can step into this room and encounter God. It, it, is, it is an incredible ministry. It's thankless on earth, but God exalts it to the point that it actually influences the throne of God. It rises like incense. We, we have, there are intercessors, every time you come here on Sunday nights, they're, they're on assignment. They don't even, they're not here to receive. They literally intercede. They're interceding right now. They intercede the whole service for you to encounter what God's doing in this room. Without intercessors, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not joking with you at all. We would never have the experiences in God that we've had as a house if it wasn't for the intercessors in this community. I sent, I sent Wendy Evenson and, and Megan Bailey a message about a month ago. There was, I, I was, Jackie and I just felt like we were in the dog house and there was just, I was feeling sick and there was this terrible atmosphere in our home. And I just said, can you pray for us? Within three hours, our home, it was like, oh, two, 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 two. I text him, I was like, you guys are like the Air Force. I'm like, I text you and it's like, like, we're good. We are so blessed for the intercessors that we have in this house. We wouldn't be where we are without them. We're not going to go where we're going to go without probably even more. I believe God's raising up intercessors. And I believe part of it is God is actually wanting to restore honor to the intercessors. Because a lot of times intercessors get a bad rap. They do some, you know, have you ever heard the people sometimes? You know, like, whoa, in the middle of worship. That's usually an intercessor. And sometimes we say, oh, that's so weird. But what we don't realize is that ho was shifting the heavenlies and bringing in an atmosphere of heaven into the room. Right? We don't always have an understanding because worship is in the spirit. And the spirit isn't the mind. So a lot of times, not only are intercessors not honored, they're often criticized, made fun of. Oh, I don't want to be an intercessor. I don't want to be one of those weird people that like goes into travail. Don't pray that. I'm just telling you from personal experience. Don't make fun of it. It'll come and get you. <laughs> Some of you are writing that down. Actually, if you're an intercessor, will you just stand right now? I want you to just honor these men and women. Yeah. Seriously, let it flow from your heart. Let honor flow from your heart. Thank you. We honor you. We honor you, Wendy, for your leadership. I honor you, Megan, for your leadership. The next, this is probably the only thing that most people think of when we say worship leaders, and that's the song leaders. It says, they sang a new song to the Lamb. Song leaders are actually, they're not just singing songs. They're, they're, they're singing a fresh hallelujah. They're singing a fresh word to the Lord every time. It may be a song we've sung before, 
But a song leader is prophesying the now reality. The, a song leader, when they're operating in the purity of the anointing, they're actually ascending to the throne themselves and they are joining the song. So they're not really a leader. They're actually a song receiver and then they offer that song unto the church. This is, this is, it's prophetic. It's very vulnerable because you're actually listening and you are giving yourself. Like you, you can see the times when they're up here and the Holy Spirit's moving in ways. Could you imagine if you had to be the one that says, okay, what's the song now? What's the song? As you're vulnerably learning to, ch to chase the Holy Spirit and follow the Holy Spirit and then express yourself from your innermost being before hundreds of people and cameras. But it is beautiful. They will, they, will, they, they will use words and sound and melody to actually draw the hearts of men. When a song leader is tapping in to, to the praise of the Holy Spirit and the worship, the spirit of worship, it will pull it out of the well of our own hearts. And it is, it is, a, it is a dance that they are dancing where they are singing unto the Lord, but then they're also leading a community. And it is, it is a rhythm and it, is, it takes maturity and it's a wrestling to sort out what that is. I thank God for the song leaders in this community. For Becca continually giving herself, AJ giving himself, all the leaders behind them giving themselves. It's not easy, it's not easy. And it doesn't always come out perfect and polished. And we are living in, in a, the overarching environment is such performance in Western Christianity that it's hard. Even when we do things like tonight, it's, it's, you feel the rub. Ooh, this is different. This isn't like that Bruno Mars concert where everything's like pa 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 pa. We're fighting that. So song leaders help us access the spiritual reality of the throne through language and melody. All right, the next, this is really important, is artists. Visual artists, graphic artists, artists that are painting on a stage. We're like, oh, that's such a nice painting. No, we're missing it. There's so much more than that. It says, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive wisdom. It's Revelation 5. Wisdom biblically is strongly tied to creativity. Bezalel, Solomon, both lauded explicitly as men of wisdom. Bezalel created the tabernacle. That's actually the first reference of wisdom in the scripture. It was an artisan who was anointed to create the tabernacle. Solomon was a man of wisdom that created the temple, this glorious temple, the house for the Lord. Artists are the creative ones. Artists usher in the spirit realm through sound and color, not sorry, through color and form and shape. They, they, they'll create, and what they're creating is what they're gifted to see. Artists see into tomorrow and pull it in today. Artists make the future available now. Even culturally speaking, artists are avant-garde. Say that, avant-garde. What does that mean? It means they're the tip of the spear. And this is how the avant-garde of the artist expresses itself culturally, is they are innovating in these new forms of aesthetic, you know, styles and fashion and art and all these things. And it's usually met with what? That's weird. That's crazy. That's so out there. And then 10 years later, it's mainstream. That is the call of the artist. 
And spiritually speaking, they do it right. There's, there's good avant-garde, there's bad avant-garde. Probably the best we could see would be the Renaissance. God usually actually anointed artists that brought humanity out of the dark age because they saw something beyond what was there. Spiritually, God is anointing with this spirit of wisdom and creativity artists who can see into the unseen and actually start to create what they see so that we can look and we can see a spiritual reality. We, we can start to see the throne because of the expression of their creativity. Artists are worship leaders. They're leading us. They are releasing a spirit of creativity. They're opening the eyes of the church. All right, and this is, this is probably the one I just, I feel is so strong, is the dance, the dancers. Movement is such a part of worship. We see it, the elders falling down and falling down and falling down. But there is something about physicality in our worship. They're dancers, those anointed through movement, they actually are prophesying to us. They're showing us the spirituality through the way that they move. And their movements actually draw movements out of us. We saw it tonight. That wasn't even planned. The kids come up and start dancing. What happened in the room? Freedom. Because there's something about movement. People say, oh, my personality, I don't dance. I don't either. But worship isn't a personality. It's an offering to the Lord. And worship has physicality. And if you say, well, I worship just the same with my arms crossed, that's not biblical. I'm just being real. I'm not trying to be, you know, I don't want to offend people and get emails and say, you don't think my worship's good enough. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying our worship needs to be biblical. I put the words right here. Yada, derived from the Hebrew word for hand, hands raised. Literally, all throughout the scriptures, praise and worship is defined in the Hebrew, if we read Hebrew, as raise your hands. <laughs> wow, God just says, there it is, raise your hands. Barak, physical kneeling. Shaka, to bow down, face, on your face. Hallel is the root word for hallelujah. It means to give foolish glory. This word is particularly wide in meaning and can be interpreted differently. In some places, it means to shine or to celebrate. We see David make foolish praise as he dances before the ark. Hallelujah means give such an offering of praise that you lose consciousness of what people think about you. It's hallel. This is biblical. This is the Bible. This is not me. I'm an introvert. I spend a lot of time alone. This is, this is an AJ. You, you can filter him because you're like, he's just one of those expressives. I'm not. Agaleo, that's Greek. I don't do Greek. means to jump for joy, to rejoice greatly, to be exceedingly glad. This is Jesus in Luke, what did I put? 10. Jesus starts... says he rejoiced greatly in that hour in the Holy Spirit. He rejoiced greatly. When's the last time you've rejoiced greatly? Oh! Dancers help us access the spirituality of the throne through physical expression and movement. All five of these worship leaders, I want to just make some comments. Most of them are right brain, creative, 
hard to define, but this is what we see around the throne. We are living in the age of performance where our culture has never been more polished, more refined, more perfect than ever. That's true in culture. That's true in the church. And the temptation to perform as a worship leader is probably at an all-time high. And that's the external temptation, and then plus there's the internal temptation that we as humans have because the enemy is relentlessly attacking if you are, if you are, if you are, if you're anointed, if you're really called, if you're really chosen, if, 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 if. So there's an internal battle, there's an external battle. And what I want to advocate on behalf of these five, these five groups that I said tonight is that they need the safety that comes from the protection of a congregation. And I believe that one of the assignments of hell to destroy worship, because again, worship, when the throne of God touches down, it is an observable reality where the kingdom of God starts manifesting in power. And I'm not trying to call any individual out because I believe this is actually an assignment from hell to destroy the worship of churches, is that a spirit of criticism attacks worship more than anything else. And we'll be worshiping and we'll see whatever. And it may be dance and it may be this. And it, does, it may be because it's weird. It may be tonight. It may be because it went this and that. And, but there's this critical spirit that starts coming to criticize and criticize and criticize and criticize and criticize. And then what happens is when criticism's in the environment, it then produces performance. And then when performance is in the environment, it produces criticism. And then when criticism, it just, so it's this nasty cycle where there's this hidden internal strife that is housed within a congregation over the times of worship. And I believe that God wants to break us free as a house. He wants to break us free of criticism. He wants to break us free of performance. And God is wanting to draw us into the Holy of Holies. He wants to bring us before the throne of grace. And who's he going to use? He's going to use his worship leaders. He's going to use song leaders. He's going to use intercessors. He's going to use artists. He's going to use instrumentalists. He's going to use dancers. I believe that so strong. Like it's, it's in particularly, I know that there's people in our congregation, you play the violin and I know that God is raising up a violinist to, to play it. I've, I've, this for three months. I've been, I've been knowing it. And if that's you, Talk to Becca, talk to AJ. Like, I just believe God is wanting to release the worshipers, but he's raising up worship leaders. And tonight, I think, is an opportunity to restore honor and gratitude for, for the, the worship leaders in our community. And that, that we as a congregation, in the spirit, can make a decision that we push out criticism and we are going to champion and say, go, go. We want you to be all that you can be. Like, you, we will, the, 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 the vulnerability of being a worship leader is that you have to actually enter into the spirit. And to enter in the spirit, you have to let go of control. We can't expect them to be perfect. We can't expect it to sound right. We can't expect it to always be super anointed and like this amazing flow. Like, we're going to fall. I think of worship like, right, like a surfboard, like riding a surf wave, you know? It's like you watch them out there and you're like, wow, those guys are amazing. Have you ever tried to learn to surf? You're like, I'm going to be Kelly Slater out there. And you're like, whoa, right? And then, and then you're doing it and then we, you catch a wave for the first time and it's like, oh my gosh, bam. No, we're going to catch some waves and fall. We're going to bump our heads a few times. 
We're going to have some, some cringy moments. We will. But I'm willing, like I want them to, I, if you aren't put in a position where you can fail safely, you'll never, you're not really in a position where you can succeed. And what I want to exhort as the, as, the, as the pastor of this house, as the leader of this house, is I want to speak to the dancers and the intercessors and the song leaders and the instrumentalists and the intercessors. And I want to exhort you, I want you to be everything that you can be. I, I want you to risk. I want you to follow the spirit. I want you to express this God-given gift that he's placed upon you, that it could lead us all to where we wouldn't be able to go ourselves. Like this is the church. This is, this is why he puts us together. And I want to exhort the congregation that we would be a place of such safety that they would fill us saying, we champion you. We champion you. We believe in you. We are for you. We are praying for you. I'm not saying that you won't struggle sometimes, but what I'm saying is instead of get critical, start worshiping the Lord and praising him and saying, God, I'm going to take an assignment to cover them in prayer. I'm going to lift them up in the spirit. I'm going to fight, Lord. I'm going I'm to honor these gifts. I'm not going to critique them. It's, it's not, about, it's, it's not a just about what we say. It's the spirit. And God is just wanting to cleanse the house. It's like he has the broom out tonight. And he wants to sweep out the leaven of criticism. And he wants to sweep out the leaven of performance. And he wants to set us free to be the worshipers that he's looking for. Who will give him something real. Something authentic. So... If, I, if you are one of these five groups of people, I want to just call you forward. Maybe let's, do it, just, let's put the dancers here, the intercessors here, the song leaders come here, the instrumentalist, and the artist. Just come forward. And I want you to face the congregation. And Isaiah, I mean you, I want all the visual artists, camera people, sound people, live stream, it's all, it's all part of it. Look at our worship leaders. It's a priesthood, you guys. This is a priesthood. Wow, this is more than I was expecting. Eugene, Becca, take notes, take names. All right, and if you're just the congregation, I want to invite you to stand. And if you want to come forward, if you're feeling prompted to come forward and lay hands, I want all of you up here standing to just hold hands. And let's just begin all praying and honoring these leaders. Like out loud, let's just, just say, God, we, we bestow honor. We release honor upon these, these wonderful worship gifts. God, we thank you that it's, it's this community that's going to take us to new heights around the throne of God. If anybody, and that's if there's worshipers or if there's people in the, just congregants, 
like me, I just, if, if you are convicted in your spirit of either criticism or performance, even worship leaders, if you feel like you've partnered out of fear and performance, I just want, I want to invite you to just repent. That there would just be a repentance tonight. That there would be a breaking of partnership with this spirit of criticism. That nags and 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 nags. We just say no more. God, we repent for all partnership with, with these, these critical thoughts, with these critical um, uh, statements. God, withholding criticism, um, with judgments, God, with comparisons, with just, just all the, this, the nasty garbage that comes with criticism. We just repent tonight. We humble ourselves and we repent, God, for how we have partnered with, with, with what is a, a foul spirit. Lord, and we, we break partnership as well with a spirit of performance. God, that, is, that has caused us to, to play it safe. Uh, to, 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 if I do what people want me to do, then I'll be accepted. Lord, we just repent for offering worship that was defiled by the fear of man. God, we, we repent for holding back when the Spirit was, was moving inside of us. Lord, we repent for, for acting and even believing that you, you only like it if it's polished and perfect. We repent. We just say, come Holy Spirit and bend our hearts in love for one another. Just, Lord, let us fall in love with one another. And we ask God, I ask for a Psalm 133 anointing to come upon this house. It's going to read it over us. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers and sisters to dwell together in unity. It is like precious oil upon the head, coming down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, coming down upon the edge of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon coming down upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forever. Lord, let's just maybe all just reach our hands up and we say, God, we ask for the priestly anointing. We ask that oil would come upon, Lord, on every worshiper, on every priest. We just say, come with the oil. Come with the oil, God. Come with the oil. Pray it for yourself. We're all worshipers. We just say, God, come with oil, with the oil of worship, that thick oil of heaven. Let it rest upon every head. God, let it drip like it dripped down from Moses. Lord, let it just drip. Heavy, heavy anointing. Lord, and we just pray for a grace upon the worship of this house, that it would be up and in to the very throne of God, and that you would teach us in the weeks and months to come. You would teach us how to worship, Lord, and that you would use this community standing up front to usher us up and in to the glory realm where all things are possible. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Let's just let's just close and and sing this.
Sing this together. Hallelujah. 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 If you're a dancer, I want to invite you to just dance. Hallelujah, 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 singing. Let us see, there's something falling on the artist. Lord, release a, a spiritual renaissance. Lord, that you would use them to, to dream a new dream. God, to create in a new way. God, graphically. Lord, through, through, through color. Lord, through different mediums. Fall upon the artists of this community. God, raise up, raise up the, uh, the, a renaissance team. God, a, a team that carries renaissance. Oh, oh, Jesus, we just thank you. Raise up dancers. Lord, I pray that you will break performance off of this vulnerable and sacred art of holy movement, God, of the prophetic dance. Lord, of the movement of angels. God of the movement of the realm, of the throne of God. We just say release the dances of heaven. Raise up dancers, God. Break off fear. Fear has held some of you back. It's, it's quenched movement in you. Some of you have been criticized. And I see the Lord touching places of deep wounds and deep criticism. Oh, I see musicians that some of you felt used. You felt used by the church because you felt this performance trap. And I see the Lord just touching deep places in your heart. And He's healing wounds. He's healing wounds. He's, he's restoring value to you for who you are. Oh. 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 We say release new songs, God. Release new songs to the song leaders. We ask that you will release the songs of heaven to our song leaders. 
If you're next to Becca or AJ or Taylor or Shifa or any of them, just put your hands on them. We say, Lord, send angels that will give them new songs, the new songs of heaven that will sing a new reality, that will prophesy, God, of a new ecosystem of worship that will draw us into places of such deep expression that we will lose ourselves as we worship Jesus. Oh God, move upon the intercessors. Lord, raise up an army of intercessors. God, we just say strengthen Wendy. Strengthen Wendy, God. Strengthen Wendy in her leadership. Raise up the spiritual air force, God. Raise up intercessors that, that know how to touch the heart of God, that know how to tap in to the, the realm of revelation and pray the things that the Spirit of God is praying over the church. Lord, we just say, raise up the worshipers that will touch heaven and shift a region. Oh. Oh. It's in you. It's in you. The anointing is in you. It's on us. It's a priesthood. We just say, raise up a priesthood. Raise up a priesthood. Raise up a priesthood. Raise up a priesthood. Raise up a priesthood, God. Oh, God, a consciousness right now in every heart that's here that you are a royal priest. Ho! 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 He's looking for a priesthood. Ho! Lead us say, let the worshipers arise. Oh God, let the worshiping warriors arise in this house. Let the worshiping warriors, let a sound of worship break forth here, God. Oh God, not just from the song leaders, but from the pews, God. It's a holy sound. Oh, so we praise you. We praise you. You know, if you're in the congregation and you're feeling stirred, I just want to invite you down. There's something about unity. I just want to invite you down to, we can kneel together. We, there's something about unity. It's one voice. Oh, oh, oh. We just join our hearts, God. I don't, I don't know. I just feel like, come and let's just all, let's just all hold hands together. Oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're just come forward. It'll, it's, it's like a symbolic of one. It's one voice. Even at the children, let the children come. Let the children come forward. Oh, it's all for you, Jesus. Break the thresholds. You're so worthy.
You are holy. 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 Yeah, I just invite you, come forward. Come forward. If you're still here, I just want to invite you to come forward. We're just all going to stand together. Just, just come forward. I know this is weird. I just, I just really feel it so strong in my spirit. It's like God's just looking for, for just oneness, one voice, one voice. We can get close together. We can hold hands. Lord, we want to be one. We want to be one. We want to be one. He's going to pour out unity. He's pouring out a spirit of unity. It's oil. Oh, oh, command the blessing, Lord. You are holy. You are holy. Just knit us in love, God. Knit us together in love. Knit us together in love, God. Bend our hearts in love. We just confess our love for you. So we love you. How we love you. And we love each other, God. We love you. And we love each other. If you feel prompted to pray for someone, just lay hands, lay hands. Just, just bless one another. Just pass the peace of Christ. If you wanna keep worshiping, keep worshiping. If you wanna lay hands, lay hands. But let the Spirit of God, he's just, he's just working through his people. It's about a priesthood, it always has been, and it always will be.